Hi, this is your Fungin Master, David Hallman, and I'm here to talk to you about Enchanted Manor Mead. Now, the Enchanted Manor Meadery is the official meadery of the Texas Renaissance Festival, and actually, uh, a place I worked for a good five to seven years. They make excellent mead, and they also have a mead club where you can sign up and receive three bottles of mead to your door every three months, and two of those flavors in that box are going to be experimental things. Things like hibiscus habanero, kumquat, s'mores, Halloween. Wait, hold on, Halloween? It says Halloween on... what? The hell? Halloween's not a fun... Okay. Anyway, if you'd like to check them out, their website is mead.today. And if you'd like to buy some mead, use offer code POD10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. The Enchanted Manor Meadery. Good mead made by good people. Well, of course, I know everything there is to know about smuggling. I've smuggled everything from data chips to potato chips. We'll get to that one later. <laughs> because I'm Jake Lucas, and I like to fuh. Wait. Wait, you've met, you've met Jake Lucas? Hey, 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 keep your voice down. You're gonna pull my cover. Come over here. All right. He figured it out. I'm not Jake Lucas. That man is a legend, but he's mostly just a name after the whatever they came here and his name got leaked from mission reports. I don't know how much of it is true, but he was carrying weapon data which he had stolen and then he built it and used against them. It's all kind of fuzzy though, and most of the smuggling community only believes bits and pieces. But he saved lives, and he put a spotlight on some shady deals happening in the Outer Rim. Like I said, the man's a legend. It's just a shame no one knows what he looks like. Welcome back, fellow traveler, to Good Better Quest. Join us as we go on a long errand. are in this dimly lit hall you are lying prone you have your stun stick essentially on the chin of this creature that is holding you holding you down with its pincers this creature looks kind of like parcel except extremely dangerous he has offered to help you and that's where we left Jake last episode. 
Jake is going to um, ease his uh, his finger off of the the button to start the uh, the impulse. He licks his lips because his mouth is dry. I suppose I got no reason not to trust you. And he kind of laughs a little bit, a little bitter laugh. This creature takes a, a couple of steps back, and he allows you to stand up. He snips his pincers a couple of times and, and lowers his hands, I guess you would call them. He doesn't have any to extend for a handshake, but you see that he is trying to appear disarming. And he says, you must be new on this ship. You, you don't look like any of the previous versions of any of the travelers. So I take it you're running from one of the seers or somebody higher up on this ship. I might not be able to offer you complete protection, but I can get you away. Jake just sort of, in, sort of instinctively reaches into his coverall and he takes out his hat and he brings it down low over his eyes. Uh, this stranger surely recognizes that Jake sort of disappears when he pulls his hat down. He becomes a too nondescript to even remember. And he zips the coverall up to his neck. And he shoves his hands deep in his pockets. And he says, all right, show me which way to go. This, I, I hate to say creature, but it, it is an alien and it is... How about this fella? M- fella. We'll go with fella. <sighs> He's also sort of camouflaged. Uh, I described last episode that his, his coloring is not like the previous aliens you've seen on the ship. The other ones are blues and pinks and purples and you know light shades of red this fella is olive and black and brown taupe earth tones as they see you essentially disappear into the background he gives off a little laugh and says yeah i think i think you're gonna fit right in with us we can definitely use somebody with your talents and he begins to walk away. And as he walks away, one of the the open panels that you saw as you were running away from the pirates, he ducks into it. And one of his pincers just comes out and waves you into this panel. Sure. So um, so Jake just sort of jogs forward pretty silently uh, and gets into the panel. As you do this, he grabs what was open. And it, it's, it's part of this wall that looks like it's been falsified. Uh, around you there were mechanisms and circuits and all of these working components of the ship and it looks like they've been rerouted around what was opened so that nobody will notice that it's gone amiss. And he takes this and he closes it behind you. And as he does that, everything falls into blackness. There is no light anymore. And you hear light hoof falls walking away from you. Uh, Jake looks at this fella, uh, or looks in what he hopes is that fella's direction. He pats his pockets. Now, I think you've told me that like I have things, like I have tools, resources, yes. right? Can I roll to see if I have like a little pen light or a lighter or anything like that? So for our listeners, Offworlders has a resource system resource exchange called Supply, yeah, yeah. Where you 
start with three supply and you can essentially turn them into whatever is useful at the moment. Rope, a tool, a one-use item. Small things that you could carry on yourself that would be useful in a situation that don't also break that system. So, All right, cool. Jake definitely has some kind of flashlight on him right, if he right uses on. one of his supplies. Right, on. I'm going to use a supply. Um, so now I have two supply left. And you said I picked up some on the ship. What? How many... How many would you say I picked up on the ship? So I know you definitely picked up a couple of batteries and a med kit. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. But I think you picked up one extra supply. All right, right so you, on. You cool. had four and then two batteries and a med kit. All right, cool, cool. That's fantastic. Jake has a um, Jake has a flashlight, and it's, like, small. But, like, everything else he has, it's, like, the tools that he has are all sturdy. Everything else is so flimsy that it could be like shoved or bent or folded or whatever to go wherever. That was not very that was not very literary, but that is where we are right now. And so Jake pulls out his flashlight and it it's like one of those that has multiple settings, right? So he puts it on like the lowest light that there possibly is. Looks in the direction of that fella and uh, he points at his ear like, "Do you hear that?" As you turn on the light, this creature completely stops in its tracks and its colors shift a little bit. It's gone from this kind of military camo to solid black. And as the light hits its carapace, it turns around and rushes up to you. It goes, what are you doing? Why do you have that turned on? We, you shouldn't have any light in here. So he, he turns it off. Can you not, can you not see in the dark? Uh, Jake just shakes his head and he realizes that's dumb because it's in the dark but maybe that guy can see it he stands up he he backs away from you and you can see some tension fall out of his body you see him relax and his colors go back to that that camo that you saw and he goes no it, it it's fine i've never met anybody that can't see in the dark i'm just surprised that you can't but you need to use that because it's it's going to be hard and I cannot lead you completely through where we're going. So if that's what you got to use, just turn it off if you hear anything that isn't me. That's that's all I can really tell you. And uh, Jake nods that he understands and um, is ready to go. So this creature isn't... It's kind of bipedal, but imagine like a jellyfish that has a bunch of... Or, or imagine a scorpion, essentially. It's got a bunch of legs, it's got some pincers, and it, it can move, but it's also got legs that kind of extend upward. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah, yeah. it's going through smaller areas that you need to like hang from, it just finds a, a, a vantage yeah. point and creates pressure to move through it. Right. You guys aren't in halls anymore. You're not in this layout where a technician would come and find a conduit or somebody would install something. You are now in dark guts where they have tried to make paths that work for them, but you're having to crawl and you're moving extremely slow. Mm -hmm. While you're moving... I think my agility is pretty good. Yeah, this, this really isn't... My bad. I'm Agility sorry, worthy. I'm you're, sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. You're fine because you're not moving fast. You oh, are yeah. just you're you're shining your light and seeing like this James Bond esque. How do I get through these laser beams? Right on, right but they're on. all pipes, <laughs> and you're just crawling through them. All right, cool. While you're moving, th- this creature gets 
fairly far ahead of you and stops, and he, he calls back. We're pretty far from our, our safe space, and I think it's going to take us a while with how fast you're moving. So we might as well get to know each other pretty well. Uh, my name is Chip, and I am a third-generation soldier, and as you can see... I'm not exactly accepted by the people on this ship. Uh, in fact, everybody you're about to meet has been exiled. And we were supposed to be left in space, but we escaped before they could catch us. So conditions are not great, but we're making a living and we are, are trying to ensure that their, their plans coming forward can't kill everybody. So... I hope that gives you a little a little trust in me that we're doing the right thing. Jake just sort of side-eyes him from under his cap. He knows that he's the one that's holding up this thing. But he also doesn't want to waste time by talking. Yet, his curious anthropological uh, interests are getting the better of him. He says... Um, Let's walk and talk. You're just going to have to go slow. And so um, he starts off in the direction that, that Chip was going in originally. He says, so you're telling me that there is a group of folks who should have been shot into space but now live inside the guts of this ship? Chip gives you a, a very curt, nod that you is is very odd to see from a a crab shaped head sure the, sure uh, uh, yep and he says you know every every couple of generations the the oracles make a mistake is is how they refer to us and we either don't fit the bill or for some reason we've acquired more freedom than they are happy with whole generations have to be vacuumed so from those generations, we try and keep as many as we can if we can get to them before a seer, you know, throws them out into space. But there's not many of us. Luckily, the seers don't know how to decrease our lifespans. It's, it's kind of a saving grace. So some of us have been here for a couple of thousand years scraping by. The psychics can't hear you? That's one of the... I want to say Occam's Razor, but this guy super wouldn't know what Occam's Razor right, is. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's one of the good things about being their progeny. We know how to hide from them. So I'm not a full telepath. I'm only an empath. And I'm extremely good at hiding what I'm thinking. Jake just nods. And, they, and he, walk, he, he continues to walk. Chip is is making a way, and, and you hear him kind of pushing things out of the way. You hear cranks moving, and, and he's trying to make the path a little bit easier for you as you're going. And he goes, what about you? You, I, I would dare to say that you're not one of the progeny. You, you must be from outside of the ship. Where did you come from? What what are you? Jake just sort of chuckles a little bit. 
and uh, which seems odd coming out of his nondescript face. For a moment, he looks like he's got a, a flash in his eye. Jake says, no, you're, you're right. I'll give you the short version of a very long story. My oldest ancestors are Earthlings. I was born on Mars long after it was fashionable. And when I started smuggling data to the outer planets, we were still using hard drives. So, right now, I got some of that old equipment right here. And he points at his belly. It's real deep. And somebody back there wants it. So, let's keep going. Chip continues to lead you on, and he asks you questions as you're moving. What's Earth? Where's Mars? What's fashionable? And you guys have a, a, not pleasant, but you pass the time as you're moving. You get to an area, and Chip has finally come into contact with you. He's been five, ten feet ahead of you the whole time, trying to clear the path, make it easier for you, mm -hmm. really show you where to go. And as you approach him, he, he puts his, his arm out, and he puts a pincer in front of you. And he goes, uh, I was genetically engineered to be pretty athletic, but I, I still really don't know anything about you or your abilities. You've been able to move faster than I was expecting, which is nice, but uh, you should probably shine your light out in front of you. Uh, so, uh, so Jake shines his light out in front of him. In front of you is a 15-foot gap of nothing. And you hear this, this kind of rumble, and as Chip leaves his hand out in front of you, you see this wave of energy come up, and it's, it's just this, not really electricity, but force that you're, you're certain is fuel or, or something that's keeping the ship moving, keeping everything in the place that it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And he goes, we live on the other side of that. It's one of the places that the seers have either chosen to ignore or don't check out of sheer hope that nobody could survive there. It's kind of a hard jump, but I I can make it. I can't carry you, though. You, you are heavy. <laughs> There's no way that we could both make it. So do you think you can, can jump across on your own? Jake looks at the 15-foot the 15 foot span and back at Chip and he shakes his head no and he just starts walking back he doesn't have anything in his pockets that could help him Chip can't carry him if he can't get across there's nothing left to do but go find the people that he came here with Chip scuttles to, to get in front of you he, he moves through a bunch of the material and gets in front of you and goes listen if, you, if you're running from the people in charge of this ship, you are not going to meet friendly people going back. Uh, give me, give me, fifteen minutes. Just give me a, a little while. I'll try and get someone. I think I know someone that can help. Are you, are you okay with sitting alone in the dark? Jake nods and uh, and he says it wouldn't be the first time. And he sits down, crisscross applesauce, and kind of folds up into himself with his hand, uh, with his head in his hands. Chip 
again gives you that that weird nod because it looks like his whole body is having to move to agree with you and he turns around and you would have thought because of how many weird appendages that he has he was moving as fast as he could and as you turn around he takes off like a bullet and just doesn't even look like he goes vertical just his speed alone carries him across the 15 foot gap and he's gone Jake turns off his light the weird energy that's surrounding the ship that's going around in this gap comes around on a pretty regular basis, but it's not its not on a minute. It's, it's every 75 seconds, 80 seconds. Jake's trying to get a, a good picture of it, but it's, it's not so... Pers- it's not like an atomic clock precision, but it is consistent. Do you want to... Do you want to figure out what it is? Do you want to investigate it or does jake just sit and look at the the pretty well okay here's the thing jake knows a little bit about about ships and about pirate ships he knows about smuggler ships and stuff like that right and so is this technology that he knows anything about like i mean it seems like he he, oh this is not anything he's ever seen before you would have never recognized this were it in components that you could understand you you don't really know what this system is doing and how it's okay. functioning where it is. Hell, he's going to wait till after it's all gone by and then he's going to kind of tilt his head toward the gap see if it's uh see if it's too hot to put his, you know, face near. Uh and if it's not too hot to put his face near, uh he's going to lean forward and shine his flashlight which is adjustable on its highest brightest beam. And it's you know how bright its beam is, Nolan. It's like a laser that's like an inch wide, <laughs> and it's like an inch wide laser, and it can penetrate the the dark depth of space. I'm just telling you, man. That's my resource, and if I got to spend one more to get that, I'll spend one more. <laughs> no, no, no. So that's that's a great resource to be using. You're trying to find where it's coming from because it it it's kind of like this wave that's just cresting over the ship over and over again. And you focus your light down to this this sheer laser, and as it touches the the front of this wave, the laser disappears. And as it gets closer to you, your flashlight shuts off. And then it goes by. And about five seconds later, your flashlight turns back on. Alright. Um so he does he repeats the experiment. Same thing happens. Every time it comes by, it seems to eat the light coming out of your flashlight mm. and then shuts it off as it comes by and then as it as it travels away it seems to work again I feel like his education at this point in, in like the in human history or human future like everybody understands that black holes eat light and so I think that's going to be the only thing that Jake can like pin down as a possible idea is that it's it's harnessing the power of a black hole of some sort. Uh, and that freaks him right the hell out. Uh, because that means there's a black hole someplace real close by, and he don't want to be nowhere near it. And he turns off his flashlight, and he sits back down, and he's going to see if he can see it or feel it as it passes uh, in the dark. I imagine you just sit down and kind of dangle your legs over the edge. Oh, no, no, no. Jake's not going to put really? his feet in there, No. No, he's sitting like a few feet back, like just waiting to see what happens when it comes. No, he's not putting his feet in a black hole. 
This ain't the kiddie pool. This ain't camp. You're waiting for it to come by, and are, are you gonna put your hand in it? Or are you just you're just trying to feel Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. if if your skin can pick anything up. Mm-hmm. As it comes by, the hair on your arm stands up a little bit, mm. but outside of that, you, you don't feel any heat. You don't feel any mm-hmm. like tingling, shocking sensation. There's mm-hmm. nothing that pulls you towards it. Like it's it's dense. Mm-hmm. It just travels over the ship and seems to turn off your flashlight. Hmm. Jake realizes that he is not educated enough nor smart enough <laughs> to know what this source of energy is, but he is smart enough to have observed it well and will remember all of these details when he goes back to the rest of the group because he figures Hagen will know what to do about it. So he's absorbed all his information, and he's ready to move on with, on with it, and he's kind of getting a little bit nervous about Chip getting back, and he's thinking about walking back. As you begin to get nervous, and you've been observing this, this wave cresting again, a bolt lands at your feet, and Chip is standing across the gap looking at you. Jake looks down at the bolt. Oh, there's nothing special about the bolt. It was just Chip getting your attention. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Then Jake feels a little bit like a dumbass and then um, <laughs> looks across the gap like, come on, man, why'd you just throw, why'd you throw a bolt at the floor? That wasn't, that would, what would you do that for? As you're looking, Chip backs up a little bit, runs across, and stands next to you. He goes, I, uh, I'm, I'm not the best one to get people across this gap, but I think I brought someone who can. Looking across, there's another alien that looks closer to Crumb than Chip is, but almost like a blimp. I mean, they they are enlarged, and they're moving very slow. It it looks kind of like a balloon traveling across this gap to get you. Jake has a sudden realization, and it sort of makes him sick to his stomach, and he says, are they engineering generations of you chip looks at you and goes what did you think this ship was they've they've had a hundred thousand years to make the the perfect creature to re-inhabit the milky way jake shudders this is a lot and he says um all right let's get across so this this other creature comes and they land and they almost immediately shrink in size again and they, they walk up to you and have closer to a bipedal form. You remember the Bubble Buddy episode of SpongeBob? Oh, I didn't watch SpongeBob. Oh, man. So this this one is closer to the same color, but their their form seems to mimic what's around them. Okay. So it's it's taken on a, a closer bipedal form to what you look like, but they're they're very fluid. Like, you can tell their structure is not entirely solid. Now walks up to you and goes, Hi, my name's Feather. Chip said you needed some help getting across, and I guess I'm the only one who can do it. But uh, don't worry, it won't be too bad. Jake just lets out a, a deep sigh. He just, And he doesn't know what this is going to be, but he knows it's not going to be any fun. And uh, he says, all right, let's just get on with it then. Feather walks up to you and they encompass you. They like the blob. They just they oh. stand in front of you and, and put you inside of themselves. 
and they turn around and they move you to the edge and then they begin to inflate again and they just drift across the 15 feet and put you down on the other side and then they let you go and just turn back into a, a very slight imitation of your form Ooh, I like that. That's good. Ooh, that's good shit, Nolan. I like that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Is he like, does he have goo on him or anything? Or is he still, or is he like clean on the other side? No, it's kind of like silly putty. Like he, he surrounded you. And then when he let go, he just took your form, but there's nothing stuck to him. Okay. Okay. But none stuck to me either. Right. Cause that's gross. No, right, no, no, cool. no. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's sanitary. Right, right. Okay, cool. So Jake adjusts his hat and and says, thanks, let's get going. Feather looks at you and goes, hey, bud, why, why are you in so much pain? Uh, you're, you're giving off a lot of, uh, a lot of pain around your, well, I don't know what you call it. I don't exactly have organs. Um, your middle area. Uh, Jake has been sort of denying this to himself, uh, ever since this all happened um he's certain that the that the operation was done slipshod and he is also certain that he was not meant to last more than the week or two that it was going to take to make the journey to begin with so it didn't matter if the surgery was shitty or not he was just a container uh and he's been trying to like tell himself that it's not as bad as he thinks it is that he just when he when when they get um, when he gets some money, he'll buy it. He'll go to a surgeon or he'll go to, you know, a, a doctor or whatever. He'll buy some antibiotics, on, you know, somehow. But but the fact is, is he's been in a tremendous amount of pain. He realizes at that moment from just from that, that Feather said, he reaches kind of around to his side and his hand comes back a little bit damp with blood. And the the pain is like an intense electrical shock that goes through him. And he realizes that with the swelling that's there and with the pain and the blood, this is a very bad situation. He, he pulls, like, one of the shirts out of one of the compartments and, like, folds it up into a, something to, to, to stop the bleeding with. And he covers himself up with that and, um, like, a wadded-up shirt and then zips himself back up. Both Feather and Chip are, are watching you do this, and... Again, they have no clue what your anatomy is, but they know when things leak out, it's probably not a good idea. Mm -hmm. They talk to each other in a language that is entirely foreign to you. And Feather, after seeing you put this this, uh, shirt onto the wound, engulfs you again and turns around and Chip grabs onto Feather's foot and you levitate about a foot off the ground and Chip holding on to you just runs. You're in a a more open area and he's able to just take off. So you guys travel down this, this almost drilled corridor. It's, it's circular. There's not a bunch of conduits. There's not all of this technology, like where you were, you're in just this open area and it's, it's very dark, but it's not completely pitch black. And you come into this larger cave that has random supplies just lying around. There's there's these crates that you know are crates because you've been around a lot of different civilizations and a lot of different creatures. But 
to Hagen or to Raquel, they might not recognize them because they're they're bulbous. They they kind of look like clams that open up. They're not square shaped. They're they're more spherical. And you see a bunch of different of these aliens. There's there's a common theme of color through a lot of them, but some of them are closer to Chip. There's that that dark camo color and there's different sizes there are different types of feet there are different number of legs there are different attachments at the ends of of whatever limbs they have and you can almost tell who the oldest is by who looks closest to crumb oh ooh, all right Ooh, that's good that's good jake's able to make sense of this this it, it, he he kind of figured it out a little bit earlier, but now he realizes that what must be happening, or at least as far as he can reckon, is that there is a species being engineered by something or someone that each generation has tried to be uh, better than the last, but sometimes the generations are broken and so they get cast out. And some of them survive and go into this back of the ship behind the walls sort of place. Is that all accurate? Okay. That is cool, very cool, cool. accurate. Okay, so Jake gets it. And then he turns back to Chip and Feather and he says, um, he says, thank you, I really appreciate this. Um, but I, I have to go back and get my crewmates. Chip turns to you and says, are they lost in the, the workings as well? Or were they captured? Do they, they have a chance of getting off on their own? Jake shakes his head. He's pretty sure that they're all capable of, of getting off on their own. Um, and uh, he, as far as he knows, nobody had been captured. Um, it looked like they were all on their feet at the last time he saw them, and he knows that was a while ago. But, um, you know, it, it seems like a, the best hope is to say, yeah, they're probably somewhere in the ship, not, not captured. Chip turns to you, and he, he kind of forcefully puts you down, like, onto your butt doesn't let you move. He says, if they are safe, if they are in the middle of the ship, we will make sure that they are brought here to you. But there's no way you're going to survive with, I, I don't know, what is that fluid uh, coming out of you? I imagine it's it's something that keeps you alive. You don't want that out, right? That needs to stay in. Jake shakes his head, yeah. If you stay here, we will bring them to you. He turns around, he starts looking, and he goes, Spillikin! Spillikin! And a creature about the size of Parcel comes over. But they have many more arms. Parcel had, like, quadrupedal-shaped body with a bunch of frill coming down from his head. This creature has 12 arms. He's got eight on one side and four on the other. And they all have different ends on them. He's got some that have fingers and look like hands with multiple different numbers of fingers and he's got some that look like tools and this small creature walks over to chip and goes what seems to be the problem am i needed is my assistance needed here and chip takes a, a step back and very delicately pokes the blood coming out of your shirt and goes I mean, you're the closest thing we have to a doctor. You were implanted with a lot of knowledge. Do you know what a... And Chip turns and looks at you and goes, What are you again? Jake says, I'm a human. 
Earthling, Martian, it's really all the same thing. Chip turns back to him. He's he's that. Can you can you fix that? It, Jake says, "Wait, listen, listen. I, I think I think I can help." Um, and he, he pulls his coverall back and exposes the the ugly U-shaped wound and the with the poor stitching. And he says, "Listen, there's a, a piece. Uh, there's a there's a piece. There's a solid thing in there." That's about this big by this big. And he holds his fingers up and he shows him what looks like it's about the size of like a SIM card on a phone. But in this world, it contains everything. Um, and so and he says there's a, there's, a, there's a little solid piece about this big and he shows him on his fingers. And it's under here and he points to all the ugly stitching. And he says, uh, if you get under there, you can get it. But... You can't get under there right now. He says, I'm going to pass out shortly. And if you know what you're doing, you're going to fix me. And he pulls out his stun gun and he puts it on his chest. And he, and he, so he sets the volume all the way up and he shoots himself in the chest with his stun gun. <laughs> so you pass out. And Spillikin comes over to your side, and all of the arms on his left side, he's got four on his left and eight on his right, like I was saying, they begin prodding around the wound. They open it up a little bit. They see the the poor stitching, and one of his arms on his right side is sharper than a scalpel. I mean, it looks like it's edged in flint, and it just cuts all the stitches open. And as he does this, some of the other hands creep in. They find the little data chip. And he pulls it out and he puts it on your chest. As he's doing this, some of the other creatures that are around him come over and they're, they're bringing some of the supplies from these boxes. And they're clearly medical supplies, but again, they're made from materials you're not entirely familiar with. I'm out anyways. He, yeah, you're out. So you don't, you don't know all of this is going on, but he performs this procedure and he does it extremely well. As you wake up, it's, it's been hours at this point. And Chip is sitting next to your bed, and he's he's squatted down, kind of like a crab resting on its its lower carapace. And as he sees you stir, he stands back up and he he turns to you and he goes, "Hey, we've found where your friends are. We're bringing them to us right now, so you don't have to worry about that. They'll be here any minute. We might have to send Feather back out to bring them across the gap, but I, I think they can get there on their own." I'm I'm just still listening. I. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked and surprised, you know. As Chip begins to talk to you, there's some small commotion around you, and Spillikin turns around and comes and and sits next to your bed, and he pulls back the blanket that they threw over you, and he's looking at your wound that has now been, it's been closed, and then it's been kind of glued shut. I mean, it's very medically proper. And he goes, You know, it's a good thing that your species has been blasting their information into space for the last 15,000 years. We've been able to intercept signals and study you for a long time. I'm well-versed in human anatomy. It's no problem at all. If you have any other issues, just let me know. Where's the chip? The chip is on... It's not a table, but it's an improvised table next to your bed it's just you know it's just a little thing that they've set up so that you can put some of your your stun guns next to it it's got the chip right your flashlight and some flashlight obviously yeah right (laughs) (laughs) 
he's gonna he's gonna sit up um and he's gonna pick up the chip and he's going to um he's gonna hold it up and uh and ask uh lots of hands um can you destroy this spillican and and i want you to know that's a word i learned today (laughs) right right um uh spillican holds it up and he's holding it between a lot of his hands Spillikin is holding the data chip very delicately, and he goes, I can, I can find a place to destroy it if you want, but what's, what's on it? Why is it so urgent that it was inside of you? Jake is tight-lipped, and he's not going to say anything about it, but in his mind, he's thinking about it. And what's on that chip is basically on top of everything, which is what everybody wants, right? There is hidden inside of it. Um, basically the recipe to destroy a, a, a civilization or a, to destroy all the living things on the planet without fucking up the resources. Basically, there are some folks out there who are excited about finding some outer rim planets with lots of valuable resources, wiping out all of the things that are alive and then just going in and plundering and this is essentially the blueprint recipe for that. Uh, he doesn't know if he's the only one that has this, but he knows that he was supposed to be transporting it to a particular person of a nasty reputation. As you're explaining this to Spillikin, you see three orbs come in to reality in a circling motion, and all of a sudden... The Seer and Alistair are standing in front of you. Alistair, quicker than you would have imagined moments prior, runs through Spillikin, punching through him, holding onto the chip, and goes, You know, brother, I knew I hired those pirates for a reason. And as he says this, you see that his front canine teeth have grown and Alistair is now a vampire as well as he says this the seer comes up to him and gets extremely close to him and those three spheres teleport them out and they are gone uh, is Spillikin dead? Spillikin is extremely quite dead quite dead right okay okay I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like a teleportation thing that he literally just <laughs> threw him okay all right. Um, so Jake is going to stand up, put on his coverall, pack his things, look around, doff his cap, say thank you very much, gentlemen, put it back on, and walk away. You're just trying to find an exit at this point. Yes. This is too much, man. Like Jake, Jake is interested in societies, and he wants to know why, how this works. And deep down, he really wants to know how this works. But he just saw a vampire punch through somebody, and his friends are on the, and they're not really his friends, but he kind of feels responsible for them. And so uh, he's the security officer, and none of them are secure. So he is just gonna, he's gonna get this dumb, like cocky idea that he's gonna go find his his shipmates all on his own so you begin you begin to walk away and chip has forgotten about you and he is trying to take care of spillikin 
However, Feather floats over to you. And he, he gets really close and goes, Hey, uh, you know, you were inside of me and I, I kind of got a good impression of you while we were floating around. And I get the feeling you're going to try and do something really brash because you feel like you're responsible. But everybody here has to leave. And it's kind of because of you. You're responsible for, for projecting your, your fear so far. But we want to help too. Now that they know where we are, we, we have to make sure that they can't use whatever's on that. So... Are your friends going to help us too? Do you think that they'll make a difference if we all get here? I'm certain of it. He says without hesitation. And he's not certain of it at all. Feather, kind of like a um, balloon animal, he grows an arm out of his side and he holds it up for a high five. He goes, yeah, that sounds good. Jake returns the high five. Feather blows himself up very big and he floats up to the, the center of this room. And he goes, Everybody, it looks like the time has come. They've found where we are, and it looks like we're close to our destination with the arrival of our friend... Uh, what's your name? I didn't actually get it. It's Jake. Can, can you say it for the people in the back? It's, it's Jake. It's Jake. My name is Jake. <laughs> you, Jake Lucas. <laughs> You hear some some nervous mutters in the back. Oh, Jake, that's fine. Okay, that's Jake. All right, all right. But now that we have to mobilize against our oppressors, I think I think it's time that everybody comes out of hiding. You were standing there and you were nervous about everything that's going on, right? I mean, give me give me Jake's impression of everything that's happened. This is also goddamn bizarre. Like he he doesn't he doesn't have a point of reference for any of this. This feels like some kind of awful story. Like he just shocked himself out. Like it, he something broke. <laughs> something has broken in Jake. All right. Here's the thing. Something has broken in Jake, and he is not okay. Uh, it's probably got to do with the fever and the and the and the infection and the pain and all of that. At the same time, could be that he's walking around with crab people that all look a little bit different because they're all supposed to be dead. So, Jake is having a hard time today and a rough day of it, but he did find a flashlight that he likes and he's going to use it to find his way back to his friends. As, you're, as you are processing your emotions of the last day, Feather has given this, this speech to everybody in this cave around him and... Jake, you look around, and there are more creatures than you initially saw when you came in. Some of them kind of resemble Feather. They don't look super threatening. Some of them kind of resemble Spalikan. And some of them, you know, they're, they're all over the place. There's some that have no legs and are floating like the seer. There's some that have more legs than Chip. There are some that are moving around like snakes with bulbous heads. There's all of these different creatures, and they all kind of coalesce into this group. As they come together in this crowd, you hear from the other side of the cavern your friends walking towards you. Jake is um, pretty delighted to hear this, uh, to hear his friends out in the distance, and uh, decides... Um, Decides to still be cool about it. 
So he sticks his hands real deep in his pockets. And pull, oh, he pulls his hat down and he pulls his hands real deep in his pockets and he starts strolling towards their voices. I want to know Jake's motivations for going forward. What is Jake going to do to... I, I mean, he's got to give all this information to, to Hagen and Crumb and Raquel. Mm-hmm. But what is Jake going to do with his friends to stop what he just saw? Jake is going to want to do one of two things one just make a clean exit with them he doesn't want to leave without them but he'd like to make a clean exit and if uh if it's at all possible take a few of these you know castaways with him if he if he can if he can if he can make that happen but if he can't he's getting his friends out he's a security officer and he is fundamentally a decent guy and he just he wants to make this work um now that said, he's got a little bit of like a Superman hero guy going inside of him that's also hatching a plan to draw out the Randy Savage vampire, Alistair, and <laughs> and 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 bring him out into a, a epic confrontation. But he doesn't quite know how, he, how he's going to do anything. Like, you know, how, he doesn't know how he would do that. And also, he doesn't like fighting. <laughs> so Jake wants to make a clean escape. And if, if barring that, a heroic last stand. Jake, you see your friends in the distance, and you begin to walk towards them as they are standing in the, the entrance of this cave. And behind you is many dozens of these different generational creatures of different size, shape, form, consistency. And you walk up to your friends with this small legion of creatures behind you going on a not a a war path but but going on a redemption for them for you for what's going to happen what does jake say when he meets his friends he walks up and just like a couple feet away from his friends he kind of strikes a pose he takes off his hat and unzips the cover all sort of in one motion and um, and with the hat, he points back toward Chip and the others, and he says, Hagen, Raquel, I'd like you to meet my new friends. Presented by Good Better Quest, a Final Plank media production. Today's GM was Nolan Lacey. Players are David Hallman, Doug Holly, and Nicholas Snyder. Additional voices provided by our very own Kate from Good Better Quest. Find them at Twitter at BossKeys underscore Twitch. Music provided by Kevin McLeod and TabletopAudio.com. As always, thank you for listening.